Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Feel Better with Tara Styles. I'm Tara Styles. Welcome to the show. Yay! <laughs> I cracked myself up. My goodness, today I'm really excited to chat with my new friend. I really feel like this girl, I wish I would have met her in high school and just palled around with her and learned from her and just been buddies. I feel like it would have been fun. <laughs> but I have her now. I've met her recently at one of Zibby Owen's writing retreats that I was leading some yoga classes at. She was on a panel talking about one of her recent books. She's written, gosh, over a dozen books. And I was really excited to meet her because my friend Stephanie Smith, who I know from New York, different work scenes, but also her and I have daughters around the same age. Her beautiful daughter, Cora, is around the same age as Daisy. So Stephanie said, you're going to this retreat with Zibby. You have to meet my good friend and my uh, writing partner, Tina Wells. So I was looking for Tina, like, where's Tina? Where's Tina? Where's Tina? And I got to meet Tina. She came up to me at a cocktail party one of the first nights. And I just felt that instant connection like, oh, this girl is amazing. She's so smart, so open with people, so connected about herself and who she is and just noticing very cool things about other people that really made me want to hang out with her even more. And this was all before I knew really anything about her, her work and her, her work life and her stuff of her, her work life. I knew she was an author, but I learned more. And the more I learned, the more I'm just blown away by this incredible woman. So I bought her book in Charleston, her one of her recent books. She has many recent books out, and we'll talk about this. This one's called The Elevation Approach. And what a perfect timing, synchronicity. <sighs> I'm working on a book project about work and life and all kinds of different ways to feel good during that. And Tina at one of the dinners, because I just attached myself to her, <laughs> she changed the title of this project for me to a much more compelling one. So I really have to thank her for that. I hope this title makes it through because it's amazing. And, and just beyond these little things that she's already done to help and support me, she's a real incredible force to get to know as an individual, but also get to know her process of how she is in the world. She sees something, she makes it happen. She aims to serve others. She does things that interest her and she does a lot of different things. And she's also just a really beautiful, incredible person. So <sighs> I'm excited for this conversation with the incredible Tina Wells. And we'll catch up at the end to hear how you 
connected with her. I can't wait. All right, Miss Superstar Tina Wells. <laughs> I'm just so happy to know you and uh and meet you. And um yeah, when Steph said you have to meet my friend Tina Wells and and you were the the sparkliest person there for sure. <laughs> as as you know by everybody, you know, trying to attack you and and touch your body and dress <laughs> so many times. That was so random, but I was so happy to meet you in person finally after I'd been uh, like doing your yoga routines that like, got me through COVID. So it was so good oh to finally meet you. <laughs> oh, you're so amazing. Oh my gosh. So I know I want to talk with you about, um, you know, it's not even your latest. Is it? Is the Elevation Approach your latest book or just one of yeah. your latest books? <laughs> Tara, you're right. Yeah. It is my latest because I had a children's book come out after <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. And and I know, and I'll put in the the notes and some links to other interviews that were really great of you just, you know, sharing your story. You started working from like age 16 on, but is that something sort of in your childhood that you, I mean, I know you said you're an accidental entrepreneur. I kind of Love that. But I think that's a little bit of humility as well. <laughs> like you obviously are somebody who who sees things that can be done and just and does a lot of different things. So it's it's kind of, you know, going into some sort of focus work, something you thought of from a young age. Um, I used to like dream, daydream of having um like a burger stand. You know how like back in the day you wanted a lemonade stand? <laughs> My dream, I was like burgers and fries. Mm -hmm. And drinks, of course, but I had to like do more than the lemonade. But, you know, it's funny, I, I still do find myself to be an accidental entrepreneur. I had a very normal childhood in, in South Jersey, and I have five younger siblings. And, you know, we grew up doing all the family things and the, you know, summer vacations at the mm. shore or Disney World. And um, I just always loved pop culture. You know, mm. I, I didn't really see it as a career path. I thought maybe I'd be lucky enough to become a fashion editor one day. Um, obviously, my degree is in journalism. My first job was as a writer for a newspaper for girls. And so I feel like writing has always been a part of my life. Um, and entrepreneurship was accidental. But I think once I found it, I realized like, this is my jam. I really mm. like being an entrepreneur. Um, I love birthing things. Like I love just coming up with ideas and seeing them through to fruition. And Hence why I wrote a book on it, right? Like to help other people figure out how to bring their big ideas to life and put a process around it. And so, um, you know, like I said, I love all things entrepreneurship, but yeah, I still, I still do think I'm a little bit of an accidental entrepreneur. It's amazing. You know, just reading, reading your book and listening to some of the interviews, I kind of had this thought, I wanted to, to hear what you thought about this, but I feel like you are the the pioneer of influencer <laughs> in a way, because what you said about, you know, the, the beauty brands were doing that when you were 16 and then it wasn't just you, you, you would bring your friends together and kind of, you know, do these business strategies that you were, you know, knowing how to do it as sort of just, it seemed like really intuitive kind of researching with your friend group, but it's, it seems like you created a, an influencer 
from yourself and then and then turned it into this influencer agency before that was even a thing. Do you do you have any kind of thoughts about that? Because <laughs> yeah, everybody's I, doing I it now. I had told me that before. They were like, you were an influencer before okay. influencing was a thing. I'm like, yeah, but you remember back in the day when I started, this was like the mid 90s. Um, you know, I started Buzz Marketing Group, but there was a company that started called Buzz Agent. And mm. they were the first where, but it was still very um like research backed. It wasn't mm. yet. And what I really wanted to do early on in my career was make research cool. Mm. And back then, you know, you would sign up, get your free product sample. Like it was a little more clinical. Mm. And I think with influencers, we really saw the emergence of like style. And so, you know, I find the emergence of influencer culture so interesting because you took the idea of like telling someone what was trendy or what was cool away from like one group of editors, right? Or certain magazines that could really define the trends. And he really kind of gave power back to people, which is why I started my career. I remember as a teenager, you know, my manifesto was I want to be liaison between companies and teens and, Mm -hmm. you know, people like me. And it was always about advocating for people like me and what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I still to, to this day, even as I'm making product, always think about like, what does my customer want? And am I fulfilling a need or am I just making something? And hopefully I'm not just making things. Um, but I'm still very fascinated by the things that fascinated me as a teenager. Uh, I mean, I I just I'm glad I know you now, but I I kind of wish I was in your friend group in high school. <laughs> just all the things that you. No, I I, I liken myself to like Tracy Flick from mm-hmm. that Reese Witherspoon movie. Like I think I was very <laughs> ambitious and awkward and all. The, I'm definitely someone who like peaked at 30, like peaked way later. You know, like. Yeah. Um, I, it was like an awkward, I mean, I did all the things, hockey, field hockey, and, you know, I was a terrible basketball player, but, you know, I did all the normal things, but definitely was an ambitious teenager for sure. It's cool. I feel like you, I love how you say gave the sort of power back to the people and, you know, just figuring out from yourself, just having the confidence of, I like this, this is really cool. My friends like this, this is really cool. And as you say in in your book and some of the talks, that is super powerful for brands and something that I thought was really neat about one of the interviews was how you always just told it how it was. And we're often the, first of all, the only person in the room who looked like you, who was also young, also a woman, and also speaking the truth. And it seemed like, did that always go over really well in those rooms or in those moments? Or was that kind of a, you know, listen to me, everybody, I know what I'm talking about. Um, it's interesting with my clients, it did always go over well because they mm-hmm. were paying for the information, sure. you know, what they did with it probably got really political, mm-hmm. um, once I left the room, but I will tell you, I was a senior in college and I was presenting, um, at a really big music industry conference. And this was, when did I graduate? So it's 2002 biggest is- issue in music at that time was illegal downloads. Mm-hmm. And I got up with a bunch of industry, well-known industry veterans who basically said only 17% of the population is illegally downloading music and it's not going to be a thing. And, you know, this college girl gets up and says, oh, I surveyed 500 people, all teenagers, and 99% of them have illegally downloaded music within the last 30 days. And by the way, they're not going to stop. And it was, it was so interesting because like I was cut out of all the press that mm-hmm. from the event, like they just acted like what I said didn't even happen. But then I ended up getting a call from the head of music, uh, research at Sony and she was my client for over 10 years. And so I got a great client out of it. She called me up and said, listen, you're the only person who told the truth. 
we're tracking this. We also think it's a bigger problem and we should work together. And that was, you know, obviously getting Sony as a client (laughs) as I was leaving college was great. Um, But yeah, it was very rare, I think, that people would treat me any different Mm. because I was just in the information business, you know, it's kind of like a don't shoot the messenger kind of thing. Right. Oh, my gosh. I just watched that Nike movie with Ben Affleck and and have you seen it? I haven't. I want to see it. Is it really it, good? It reminds me of you because the Matt Damon character, he sees Michael Jordan for who Michael Jordan is and kind of, you know, comes up with this whole idea to do the thing and no one else sees it. Everybody just sees this skinny kid that's like kind of good or whatever. <laughs> and he, you know, is responsible. Then Michael Jordan's mom's responsible for kind of making this into such a, a massive thing. But something that I wanted to ask you again about you kind of doing this for yourself with your friends and turning it into this business. And then, you know, it seems, you know, having this giant company and then doing it for brands. Now you're back sort of doing it for brands, but also you're in the spotlight so much more, which I think is, is kind of, I don't know, not what it always should have been, but in a way it's, it, have you felt that transition from like you to you know, you serving the brands to you, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but yeah, you get it. (laughs) I think, um, you know, as a marketer, I love shining the light on brilliant ideas, Mm -hmm. um, great products and services. And so it is really odd to have to have that light on me, even when I um, write middle grade, right? Mm -hmm. There's a star of my series, right? There's the character and I can always focus on that character. And that character is really important to my my young readers, right? Not necessarily me as the author in a way, I, I, like it's nice and they're like, oh, we like the author, but really they relate to that character mm-hmm. and to the world I've created for that character. And so um, it has been more challenging for me because it's just not the place I've been in my career. And I know people would say, but you've always had press, but it's very different, right? You mm-hmm. go, you do a thing, you step away and I get to go back to the business. But I think it's mm-hmm. hard when you know, for me, birthing a consumer brand, which is Elevation by Tina Wells, it's at Target now. Um, that was, you know, I had to be really thoughtful about like, okay, what do I want that to look like? How do I want it, you know, be presented? And, um, you know, I love having these conversations because I think, you know, podcasts, I realize podcasting um, just gives an opportunity to really have a talk and mm-hmm. not be cut off and not have things edited out and just to have a conversation, but it's felt really great to share. You know, it's definitely, I'm not in my comfort zone, but it feels great every time someone posts a picture of the book or talks mm-hmm. about a breakthrough they've had because of the book. And so it is definitely worth it. Oh my gosh. Well, you're prolific. So I'm glad you're you're sharing you more and sharing all the things. And your target line is beautiful. I can't wait to go because I want to touch and buy everything in person, not just have it show up to the house. But the colors, can you talk about the colors? And it's all office stuff. It's so cool. Like I feel like you're single-handedly making this whole work from home and working in general, whether you're in office or wherever, just beautiful. I mean, I'm looking around. I have the stack of books, stack of cords, and I need the the container that you have, like the beautiful purple and and gold. And it looks so, it looks so you know, like, like goal oriented too. like those colors to me feel inspirational, like, like you want to achieve something greater than yourself and, and sort of the, the, the powerful soul way. So is, is that all kind of just intuitive to you or is, do you feel that way? 
Yeah. I mean, I did a lot of research around the colors and obviously I was drawn to certain colors. You know, I picked that rich magenta before I even knew it was the Pantone color of the year. Wow. And so it's apparently very on brand too. Um, but I wanted, you know, for me, I, okay, I'm writing a book about how to achieve work-life harmony, how to accomplish your goals, how to dig into your creativity. And when I started thinking about the line, I'm like, okay, all of these products have to assist in doing that. Mm. And I am all about work-life harmony, which means there isn't a place where work starts and stops, right? That I believe we all are going to have our one big life, right? That we're not creating these different sections and we need to feed both. And and that formula is really unique, right? So when you go through the book, what you're going to do is really, you know, answer a lot of questions about yourself and what you need. But once you get to that, right, I wanted to create products that can keep you in that zone. So once you're like, yes, I want work-life harmony, I'm going to work for it, I'm going to achieve it, everything I've created is hopefully there to help you stay in the zone. So it, whether it's a planner that allows you to plan, and I live the elevation approach every day, but you can do, you know, something that is a format for daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal living, and you can plan that in the planner, to, um, you know, the journal. That's just mm -hmm. for the first phase, um, which is, you know, preparation, but it's a plan and create journal that has prompts that really ask you again, more questions about like, what are you expecting in this season? And, you know, are, are you meeting your big goals? And just, you know, to constantly help you stay on track. And then, you know, I wanted pretty pens. So I made a pretty pen. <laughs> I love the gold pen. <laughs> I mean, I, I have them all over, but yeah, so uh. my pen is like one of my favorites. Um, But yeah, everything was very intentional. And I also thought about this idea that uh, you know, especially coming out of a pandemic, I realized like not everybody has an office at home, right? Some of us just carve out a space or some of us prefer to work within the family unit. And, and so designing a desk mat that can sit on an island, which is like where I work every day, I work at my island and I have my desk mat and I have my things. And um, I just feel like everything is fitting. And that's, that's really the goal of the line is that you can really start to bring and call in work-life harmony in your life. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. I'm excited to get everything. <laughs> okay. Can you talk a little bit, because I know this is <clears throat> super common to basically almost every single person that I know now, we just did a training in Miami and went around and talked about work and everybody shared their burnout story, every single person. And it was, we had to just go on through lunch and another day of it because we couldn't even get to work because it was the burnout story that was so emotional. And I know you've really gone through your own personal version of that, but you've come out obviously so thriving and beautifully and, and on another side of it. So do you mind sharing a bit of your process for that? Sure. So um, I feel like, you know, so there are four phases in the elevation approach, preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation. And I feel like the first 11 years of my career, I did a really great job navigating preparation and inspiration. And mm -hmm. obviously preparation is like, it, it sounds, it's the phase where you really figure out if your big idea is feasible, right? So whether it was, I want to launch a new division of the agency, I want to redo my website, whatever it was, I was really good at prepping and getting to how feasible, you know, cost, getting curious, finding comps, like I could do all of that. Mm -hmm. Inspiration uh, is when you socialize that idea with people who can help you make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I was really good at that too. And what I found was I was in a perpetual loop of like, I go have the meetings, I get more inspired, I redo the thing and go back to mm -hmm. preparation. And I ended up burning out. And what I realized 
in my burnout was I needed to incorporate a season of rest. And mm. a season can be, you know, an hour, a day, a week, a month. You determine how long that is. But when I started to incorporate recreation, I was then able to get to transformation and actually mm. launch the big projects. And so um, that has really been the system I've used for many years to help me. You know, people look at the last three years, right, of my career. I birthed like 14 books, right? <laughs> and then I have, thank goodness for my writing partner, <laughs> thank goodness for Steph, but I've got the books and the and the line and I have another line coming. And so mm -hmm. it's been a lot of work product, um, but I feel very at ease with all mm -hmm. of it. You know, and if I have a day where I feel like mm, I'm feeling a little unbalanced, I'm so tuned into like my tools and my toolkit and the things I need for instant elevation that I can think about how I get myself back kind of in my zone. Um, but it, it took burning out. And I was 27 years old when it happened. You know, again, I started a company at 16. I've been working since I was 15. And really, it hit me hard. And, and then I thought I could kind of band-aid it for a while and do a couple things. But what I've realized, and it could be that I'm in my 40s now, is that um, I really just need to have my, my toolkit. I need to like work my program. And I need to make sure if, if I want work-life harmony, that these are things I have to do to maintain it. Oh, so good. With um, Strala Yoga, we always talk about creating space and this idea of softness and how your breath body connection starts to move you. And everything you're talking about reminds me of of the process of when you're when you're moving well, it feels good, but you can do so much more. So I, I wonder if there's this huge nugget of wisdom that I, I feel like I'm getting from you that you're you're producing so much. I mean, you were producing always a ton, but you're producing so much now, but do you feel like you're maybe working less or do you feel maybe it's just more of that harmony that you're the work-life harmony approach? Um, I'm definitely working less, mm. uh, which I know most people would find hard to believe. And I'm also right now, um, strangely enough, <laughs> in a season where I am like forcing my recreation because mm. I know come September, I've got to be on again. I've got another brand launch. I've got to be like ready for this. And in the past, I would have just powered through, right? And it was, it's funny, even yesterday, I was like having a conversation with myself and I'm like, so I'm not going to like do the three week trip to Europe. You know, it's mm -hmm. like summer hits and we like summer hard, right? Like, and last year I'd like summered hard, <laughs> like in Africa, I was like river crew, like it just did the most. And I was like, but I love doing this. And again, I was like, but mm. I know I need to be ready for transformation. And so if I go into summering, right, what I'm actually doing is extending a period of inspiration. Mm. People, I'm going to be social. I'm going to be out. I'm going to be gathering, gathering. Then when do I have the time to process everything, you know? And so forcing myself, which for many people, like they might ask, like, is it easy? Recreation seems the hardest. It is the hardest, but it's the most rewarding. And I know, you know, I was just talking to my sister the other day, just about like physically being on planes all the time and back to back and not giving your body a chance to like decompress from all of that isn't healthy. And that was my spring, right? That's inspiration when you're kind of out and about. It's like, I need like yoga and rest and water and Pilates and all like, I know I need those things in the next, you know, two to three months. So I'm ready to like crush it through the fall, mm. but it's still a conversation I'm having with myself, right. To like not have FOMO and say, but I could do this, or I could do this trip to kind of start opting out of things and say, I'm not going to do that because 
I don't want to put my body in a place where when I really need to be on, I'm not going to be able to do it. And that that's the transformation phase for so many, right? For for many parents, right? You need to enjoy your summer because when it's time for kids to go back to school, you are on, right? There's like no, there's no <laughs> opting out of first day of school. You know what I mean? And so I think for all of us, it's that natural rhythm of saying like summer rest is created for a reason. And mm. how do we not turn that into like something we're managing, right? Mm. How do we really allow rest to be rest? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh, so. So wise. <laughs> so wise. But I need to take my own advice. Trust me, I'm convincing myself every day. All right, you can you can play this back for yourself, then that'd be good. Oh my gosh. I also love, I mean, I love everything about you, but in, in your book, I'm just like sitting there like it's a rock song, like nodding my head so much. But you talk about uh movement as in enjoying and ease and play and fun and I really love I really love this approach. Obviously, that's how I feel about movement, but but this getting away from the force push and struggle of of even the word exercise and and I'd love to know what what you like to do. I love that you mentioned dance and stretching and tai chi and all of these different things that that we can do to to move our bodies but have fun and feel good instead of feel like we're sort of trying to, you know, do something harmful to ourselves. But how did that kind of philosophy manifest in you? Yeah, a lot of these things are um, things that I did not naturally arrive at, right? Mm. It was a conversation. So I remember um, being in Utah at a retreat Mm. and I was having a massage from someone who, I don't know, was very like intuitive healing massage person. And he says to me after, he's like, listen, I can tell you work out. Um, He said, but that's not helping you manage your stress. And it was really interesting. He's like, you're very stressed and you need to find a way to deal with the stress. And I was like, but that was what the spinning and everything is supposed to be for. And it wasn't working. And Mm -hmm. so what I started to realize is like exercise is preparation for me. Mm -hmm. It's just like what I need to get going and be focused and do what I need to do. Like healthy eating, all those things are part of my prep. But when I need recreation, I need like to almost disconnect. And and I find that when I am able to do that, I come back to my work so much more focused. And so it could be, um, you know, like, oh, it's a nice day. I'm going to stroll. I'm going to walk and grab coffee for 15 minutes and just not think about work. Right. And then when you're not thinking, what's funny is I believe in movement. Things are moving through you, Mm -hmm. right? Circulation, Mm -hmm. the brain, like it's moving. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have a solution to a problem. I didn't even know I had. I can't tell you how many times I wake up after an amazing night's sleep. And I just start writing like, oh, I can Mm. solve this problem this way. I should do this this way. And it's just so clarifying. But if I try to like power through, Mm. I can't do that anymore because I think now I know there's a better way to do it. But I think Mm. in my 20s, definitely in my 30s um, and with the agency, when I was getting bigger and bigger clients, my inclination was just to power through it. Mm. Where now sometimes I almost feel like, I'm just so such a whiner. Like I can't do like I'm just like I can't do this thing that has to happen. And I have to like coax myself through how I'm gonna do it if I 
understand I'm pushing, but it was really having someone explain to me like how my body, how they were observing my body take on exercise, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't doing what I thought it was doing for me. That was incredibly helpful. That's amazing. Um, Something else that I love about your approach, and maybe this is a little bit with movement, but also with work is it shouldn't feel like work. And our shiatsu teacher says that he's teaching these technical things and we're all like so excited to like get the points right and everything. And he's like, you guys, if it feels like you're doing something, it's not going to work. It has to feel like play, you know, learn the technique, but then forget about it. How did you come to that wisdom for, is it for your, for your whole practice for the elevation approach, kind of all of it to have it not feel like this kind of I'm working? (laughs) Yeah, I, it's funny. I've lost, I am doing the most complicated, complex, like hardest work Mm. of my career right now. I mean, I'm, I am in manufacturing. I'm literally (laughs) about to start shipping a new collection and the emails I get, I feel like every time an email comes in, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to have a heart. Um, And yet it feels very easy and very fun. And I'm very light about it, you know, because I I think once you have your tools and you know what to do, like I know what to do if stress pops up. I know I need to phone a friend or I need to go on a walk. Like I know what my rituals are, the things that work for me. It helps me deal, right? And I think um, one thing I always like to make sure I emphasize when I talk about the approach is, you know, having an approach does not mean that you're going to have seasons of life that aren't challenging. Mm. That is life, right? So we've just gone through a season where lots of people are graduating, right? Mm. That was a very hard goal to achieve, to put that much time and effort. And it was hard, right? And so I'm certainly not saying we're we're not doing hard things, right? What Mm. I'm saying is like, we can do very complex, complicated things and our bodies not feel like we've taken them through the hardest thing, right? Because what I realized for me would be the saddest thing would be achieving everything I wanted to achieve in my life and not physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally being where I wanted to be, right? That I would literally be bankrupt in all of those areas, but then supposedly be successful. And so I really start to think about what does success look like for me still being able to maintain, you know, my physical health, you know, my spiritual, emotional, mental health, all that's really important for me. And that really is when I think about what work-life harmony means to me, that that's it right there. It's like I relationships, right? I want healthy relationships. I don't want to get where I'm going and feel like I've alienated my family for decades. And now I've arrived and I'm like, Hey, everybody, let's be (laughs) together. You know, that, that wouldn't work for me. Oh my goodness. I love it. It's just, this is the key. Everybody needs the elevation approach. (laughs) (laughs) Mandatory reading for everybody. My goodness. Something else that's just purely, whether this is easy for people or, or challenging that you again, seem to have naturally, but maybe you've cultivated this, you know, mindfully, but you really seem to take care of the people around you from your family to your friends, to just strangers you meet, you, you create these sort of effortless conversations that have meaning. And I've just, you know, observed that just being in conversations with you myself, like you gave me like four amazing tips <laughs> that I like definitely am doing. And and then you just went on a panel and, and spoke about something else, you know, in the next moment. But is that something that you think that we all can kind of cultivate or, you know, one of your unique magical gifts? <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, I know course. it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I think we all can do it, but I think if you are feeling like you can't, Mm. that means your glass is not full, right? Mm. You can't pour from 
an empty glass, right? And so I always say, put your mask on first. We think about all these things. And I think we have really spent years in a culture telling us hustle harder, Mm. really telling moms to do unbelievably impossible things, you know? And you have to look perfect. You have to show up. You have to do. And and everyone is trying to uphold these crazy standards. And then while you're trying to do all this and just crush it, you are like two seconds away at all times from being canceled for mm. having a bad moment in your life. Right. And so I think we don't understand how much anxiety as a culture we are living with and, and not acknowledging, you know, and I can't imagine like building a career, working so hard and feeling like at any moment, someone could not like what I'm doing and just decide that today is my day, right? And what that must feel like. And so I think I um, think it's taken time, like you've got to kind of free yourself. And I remember when my first D Files book came out, uh, I referenced like my, one of my favorite quotes from Georgia O'Keefe when she talks about settling it for herself and that, you know, criticism and flattery go down the same drain, you know, and I really had to get to that place of saying, I've got to settle this for myself. Um, and it's great. I'm so grateful to people who like my product, invest and do things. But I think for anyone, if you want work-life harmony, you've got to find that sense of what makes you feel successful within yourself. And I know people might say, oh my God, you've written 20 books. You're saying this is a person. Yes, but I define my success by would my sisters, my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. say I was there for them when they called me? Would my niece, would my nephew say, you know, Zia, Aunt Tina was there for me? Like there's so many, like, would my friends say I'm a good friend? Would they say mm-hmm. I was there when they needed me? And so I think we all have those things that define what success really looks like for us. And I think that the hard part for all of us is that collectively we're like bought into a system that tells us other things mean success. Mm. Right. And so I think that's the hard part. I think that's what we struggle with. And I think for many of you listening naturally, when you get to your forties, somehow (laughs) you, you, you get on a fast track to figuring if you haven't gotten to it by 40, those of you, I hope, please, please, please do it before you're 40. But I feel like if you don't, when you get into your forties, you kind of get on a fast track to figuring that out. Oh my gosh. So good. But it's so, it's so really clearly laid out in the elevation approach. And Mike and I talk about this all the time with our yoga and our Tai Chi and how, how we want to live our lives, but he's reading your book now as well, because it really is a blueprint to all of the things that sometimes we think we have, oh, I've got that box checked, but it's never checked fully because it's a process. So can you explain a little bit, because you've, you've talked about how you use this kind of all the time in your life. Is it a day-to-day, week-to-week? How do you kind of organize the elevation approach for Miss Tina Wells? <laughs> yes. So it's funny you ask because in the workbook that is coming September 5th, um, there's literally a diagram worksheet of how like you can plan your day with the elevation mm-hmm. approach. So I live my day this way. So my mornings are preparation, my afternoon, like late morning to early afternoons are inspiration. Um, then I have some recreation in the afternoon. I will definitely need it today. I've had an intensely busy, <laughs> busy morning. And so I'm going to need, I'm going to be looking for that little bit of recreation. Um, and then transformation is my evening. And so, you know, my mornings look like, like I love news. So I do a global news briefing that Alexa puts on as I'm getting ready. I like to like, listen and just hear like what's going on around the world. Um, email check-ins. I have a coffee ritual in the morning right now. Sometimes it could be tea, it could be yeah. all different things, but um, 
you know, nutrition things I do in the morning. And then I really get into my day, but inspiration is when I become more social, right? So it's Mm -hmm. that time where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to engage. And I found that that's been just so helpful to live that way. I will also say um, the elevation approach, like our phases actually follow the four phases Mm -hmm. of, you know, four seasons. So winter is preparation, spring is inspiration, summer is recreation and fall is transformation. And so I also feel very in sync with nature in that way, where like now that I'm going into summer, what made me realize I was going to be off, right? I'm like, what is making me feel off? I started making some commitments for my summer. And I said, that's not what this season is for. And I know, you know, maybe if I had a fall that was going to be light, I could maybe make my summer. And that was last year, right? Last year I knew uh, it was like towards the end of the year that was going to get tough. So I knew I could like summer hard because I'd have the time where this year I'm like, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a very flexible process, but what I hope you will do as you start to go through the book and learn the approach and learn the method is make it fit for you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that because, you know, it's June, you have to be in recreation, right? You might decide that like you're in a different season or you need to figure out how to bring it together. So you're going to start, you know, in a totally different season. And that's fine. I think it's understanding what the what the requirements are. And that's why, you know, I developed those 12 principles of instant elevation. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't feel stuck in a phase. So if you are in preparation and you're saying, I don't know why I can't get my idea going. Well, the first thing I ask you to do is declutter your space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had an experience on Saturday where I don't know, I was feeling very anxious and there was, I've been very busy. I haven't been home lately. There's a lot going on. And there was just, I was like in my bathroom and I'm like, I need to declutter all of my beauty stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I just spent four hours doing it. And it was just, I was moving through something. I was like, I got to get this out. I have to get this Mm -hmm. clutter out and things totally resolved for me in that time. But, you know, the first principle is to declutter your space. And then I ask you to get curious, you know, Mm -hmm. start asking yourself questions about where you are and what's going on. And, you know, really, I think sometimes we move so fast, we don't take time to pause and say, how am I feeling in my body? What am I feeling in my body? Um, I will say personally, the exercise I did that got me into burnout was exercise or movement that made me go so fast. I wasn't always conscious, right, of how I was feeling. And when you do yoga or slope or things that are really bringing you and grounding you it is a lot more of an internal thing. And, and that was a practice I really needed. Um, and then the final thing you're asked to do in the first phase is to know your numbers. Mm-hmm. And numbers are not just about money, right? I like my number one thing, I wear an aura ring every day. The number one thing I track every day is like my readiness score mm-hmm. for the day to understand how how well did I sleep and how prepared am I for my day ahead. And so, you know, all my readers, I ask them to really figure out what numbers are really important to them. And to find a way to track them and be accountable. And it's not about, you know, being like, oh, you didn't do well. It's about helping you figure out if you're not feeling in harmony, what can you do to quickly get back there? Oh my gosh. Amazing. It feels like Ayurveda for your life, for us modern folks. To be practical and crush it and make money. Yeah. 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 Like all the things that we all want to do. And you know, I've studied a little bit of like a lot of the different East Asian healing arts, but then what I've really learned is people like you and then people in your life that maybe feel wiser, like my grandmother feels like a wise person to me, but are already, you know, either figured it out or like you creating a blueprint to help other people. But it really does feel 
to me that you've created this ancient wisdom made applicable to what we all like want and need right now. So thank you for that. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I'll let you go into your relaxation response and your relaxation mode of the day, if that's all right. And um, so let me just hold this up one more time, but the elevation brooch, I know so many people already have it, but this should just be mandatory reading for every human alive trying to do anything. <laughs> And and your target line, it's I think it, it's at the end of the aisle, right? It has one of those. It's really easy to see, isn't it? <laughs> Very easy to find. Yes. Easy to find. And is it online as well? Can we get online, online? on target.com okay. too? the entire collection? Yes. So you can shop it in store. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Going in stores, so you can touch and feel all the vegan oh. leather and see what you like. But yes, I'm super excited to have the collection there. I've been a great partner. Um, and just excited to hear customer feedback to, you know, I was at an editor author luncheon yesterday and like two other authors were like, oh my gosh, I bought your stuff. I love this product. And I'm like, I love hearing feedback about what products you love. And so, um, it's been a great experience and the, it is an exclusive collection, but it's one of those like short-term collections. And so it will be in stores until early September. Okay, great. Thanks for that. And then, and then the 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 can you tell a little bit about the? They're amazing. There's so many of them. <laughs> the, the the young adult books, the the tween yeah. books. Is that how you the the proper middle category? Grade. Yes, I, I love middle there. grade fiction. Um, yeah. that middle grade is just I will always write middle grade. Uh, that's really um seven to twelve year old readers and uh, the Z files, which mm -hmm. is considered kind of an upper middle grade, might be more like nine to thirteen. Um, but my first target partnership was on the Z Files, which is a spinoff of my very first tween series called Mackenzie Blue. Uh, so Mackenzie Blue was way back in the day. First book came out in 2009, uh, five books in that series. And then Z, the Z Files are six books in that series. Um, Honest June, which is about a girl who can't tell a lie. Uh, she has a fairy godmother who has blessed her with the ability to only tell the truth. Wow. That uh, The third book just came out in that series of three. And so um, I believe June is moving the paperback very soon. So wow. that. That series has done really well. And then the Stitch Click is currently exclusive to Target. Mm. And that is about five very different girls who meet at a sewing, like a fashion class and become friends. And so um that I just that was my book that just came out in in April. And they're the last book of that series is going to come out this fall. And mm. so that will be goodness, I think 14 books I did in partnership with Target, which is incredible. <laughs> a great partner. And uh, you know, my goal when I really started doing more middle grade fiction was to really help increase diversity in middle grade fiction. And, you know, super proud of the titles, but just anything I can do to get young people to read. I think reading was so important for me early on in life. And, you know, whether it was Sesame Street Book Club, my dad taking us to the library once a week in the summer, I would check out like Babysitter's Club, Fear Street. I would read like any and everything I could read. And so um, I love that I am able to provide good content for, for young readers. And I love when librarians tell me that at-risk readers are reading my wow. books. You know, I just want to get kids reading. And so, um, and they're a lot of fun to make. It's the most fun thing I get to do is really create middle grade. And I, uh, Steph and I are like literally just getting back into the zone. Of, I have a new idea that we're going to start mm, working on wow. this summer. And so um, I'm super excited for that. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And is tinawells.com like the main place if people get lost at Target, then go to <laughs> tinawells.com and you'll be like, Absolutely. take a ride at aisle four. <laughs> and, and the whole collection is on tinawells.com. We have a okay. shop links to Target. So you can see all the products on my site too. Amazing. So easy. And everybody needs to get the elevation approach to figure out how to get as organized as you. 
So good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks for taking your time and your very busy day to day and just being here. I really appreciate you. And I'm just so, so inspired. And um, I know everyone is as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Tara. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> How amazing is Tina Wells? My goodness. We're adding the elevation approach to our Strala reading list for all of our guides and people who attend our trainings, really working with balance and working with ease and purpose is something on the front of so many of our minds these days. And finding ways to do this sustainably is written in the blueprints of the elevation approach. So I had a conversation with Tina right after this podcast about adding her book to the reading list. And she said, oh, that's really great. Because when you're a yoga guide or a teacher of anything, when you're really working and sharing and giving in this way to others, it's super important to find ways to rejuvenate, to balance, and in your practice to find that right body position between yourself and others so you can stay sustained and stay feeling good and create that really right relationship that sparks healing and joy. So make sure you check out tinawells.com for all of her many, many books and inspiration. Her newsletter is really great too, by the way. I'm on that list. And when you're in Target, you can check out her beautiful home office line. I'm really excited to add some of those pieces to my home little space here <laughs> and ongoing everywhere. And of course, as always, we've got you covered on stralahome.com and Strala Yoga, the app for all of your daily practices of ease and harmony and joy. I really am so excited to hear what you think about Tina and these ideas in this episode, maybe how it relates to your yoga practice, how this relates to your life, ease, softness, breath-body connection, living in alignment with yourself, harmony, ah, all the things. So leave a comment below or let us know somehow. And have a wonderful day. See you soon. 